0: Coming up on today's show...
1: We're social distancing, and honestly, I feel like stay-at-home podcast host was a role that I was born to play. NFL
0: free agency is in full swing, and we'll break down the 10 biggest storylines and tell you why
1: my takes have deserved the highest of grades. Canceled RV trips, frustration in the CBA, and the real reason TB12 signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All
0: of this and much, much more on a sheltering in place edition of the award-winning Tomahawk Show.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Tomahawk Show. I am Andrew Hawkins, your humblest of all co-host, joined as always by my partner in crime, Mister Joe Thomas, four-time Hall of Fame inductee of like thirty-seven different Hall of Fames. Joe, a lot going on this week, bro. We got to just jump right into it. How, how are you feeling? How are you dealing with all the news and situation that billions of people around the world are in right now, dealing with the coronavirus?
0: Yeah. I would say that uh, the best I can say is that we're dealing, you know, there's obviously a tremendous amount of fear and panic and uh, unease and uncertainty out there. Um, And, you know, our families are no different than uh, a lot of the other folks out there as far as our fear of the unknown of what's out there. But I will say that, you know, everybody in my family's feeling safe and we're comfortable and healthy right now. And, you know, even though we haven't gone outside in like five days, uh, we're managing really well. And, and you know, I think trying to do what we can do to, you know, help everybody out by keeping our social distance and uh, mm-hmm. making sure that we have minimal contact with other people outside of the house and uh, being on NFL Network a few times early on this week and now recording this podcast and hitting up a couple other podcasts have kind of, given a, a nice break from the reality of the global situation with which we are all dealing and processing on a
1: daily and hourly basis. So I've learned a lot of things about myself during this time. Now, oh, really? the last time we recorded, it was my birthday. And literally, the the earth um, started glitching the next day in, in the situation that we are now. And I mean, this is not I mean, everyone in full quarantine, social distancing, coronavirus. And it's a tough time for a lot of people. I don't want to gloss over that. Like a lot of people's lives are are changed and uh, a lot of just heavy shit for a lot of people, man. And, you know, for me and my wife, we were just like, at first is the nervousness. There's the anxiety that sets in. Um, But then, I mean, I just tried to keep things in perspective. And I like we just started focusing our attention of like, how can we help other people? How can we help people that are close to us, that this is affecting. Um, how can we help people and kids that are like not in school and they're relying on a lot of meals? So those those are things that we've kind of shifted our focus to. Um, beyond that, I've realized two things about myself, Joe. Number one, jokes are my number one defense mechanism. It's like in any situation that I'm in, it's the first thing that I go to. Probably because I'm a short dude and. Um, it was a part of my defense when I was a kid that I could make fun of anybody. So it kept people, uh, from messing with me. So, uh, even in this, if you go on my social media, like I literally can't help myself, but to make tons and tons of jokes, because I feel like it is a time where people need laughter more than any. So if I can make someone just chuckle, I feel like I'm doing my, my civic duty. Um, the other thing is I might be the LeBron James of social distancing. I don't know um, if anything has come more natural to me in my entire life. (laughs) Uh, And I've always kind of known that about myself. But in this, when I say I haven't even had the desire to go out and see other humans, it has never crossed my mind yet. Now, it's only been like seven days, Joe, okay? (laughs) I'm not saying that this might be for it, but yeah, I, I feel like I am, you know, MJ in the fourth quarter right now because this thing is just easy to me, dude. I don't know why that is.
0: It's funny you said that because I definitely have always said that you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame of jerkness. And really what social distancing means, it's just a translation uh, and another way to say that you're a jerk. And well, I know that I got inducted into many Hall of Fames this year. That's a little bit of a brag here. Uh, But you have not yet been inducted in any Hall of Fame. So maybe I can nominate you for the Hall of Fame of social distancing, which is the all of a sudden, cool way to say you're just being a jerk. So congratulations, Hawk. Uh, but I think I think you made a, you did make a really good point um, at, at the beginning there of your soliloquy of, you know, as soon as crazy stuff happens, it's always human nature to try to take care of the people around you. And just you worry about yourself mm-hmm. and your immediate family. And you start thinking like, all right, how does this affect me? Right. And then as soon as you kind of get over that, it took us a couple of days. Then immediately the focus became, all right. There's way more people in way more difficult situations than us. You and I, we're still employed by NFL Network. We still have our podcasts. Like, there's a lot of people that are out of work. And I don't mean a lot, I mean, like, a lot, a lot. Like, most people don't have an income right now, and they're absolutely struggling. Um, And it, it brings me to the second point that you made about our defense mechanism, both of us. And this is why we were drawn to each other right away in Cleveland is because we went through some hard times in Cleveland and we always felt that humor was the best way to get us through those hard times, right? It's like the coping mechanism that we deal with. And so hopefully for those folks that are tuning in and downloading this podcast this week, they understand that, we're still going to be that same joking team that we've been for several years now. Uh, And it's not because we're making light of the situation uh, or we don't have sensitivity to the situation that the world is in right now. It's because this is how we cope. This is how we deal. And no matter how serious, and this is as serious as a situation as our generation has ever been in, Mm -hmm. there's a way to get through it. You try to make the most of the situation you're in. You maybe. Try to beat it a little bit with humor. You try to distract yourself, which is a little bit harder when there's zero sports, which is usually everybody's outlet. And so hopefully there's a little bit of an outlet here at this podcast. All right, Hawk, I I think uh, it's time to maybe dive into some NFL chatter. And if you want to interact with the show, you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Tomahawk Show, also on Reddit. Uh, Join the Facebook group, the Tomahawk Flock. Call our voicemail line, drop us a message, let us know what you're doing during the coronavirus lockdown, 440-628-1376. Uh, And usually you can check us out on YouTube, on Uninterrupted's YouTube page. Unfortunately, right now, because we are all properly being a jerk or as is cool right now, we are social distancing. That's what they call it. We are not recording this one for YouTube, but you can go back and check out all of our other episodes on Uninterrupted's YouTube page. So, Hawk.
1: All right. So, it was NFL free agency. You were on uh, NFL Network doing the NFL free agency frenzy. Your mic was huge on TV and everyone kind of made fun of you. Um, Before we get into the NFL free agency, you being on TV talking about it from the house with your really big mic, um, why didn't you just move the mic out of the way? Like, Why didn't you just move it off screen? (laughs) Yes. So (laughs) the big mic was
0: uh, something that I got a lot of teasing about early on. And uh, like we just talked about, my defense mechanism when somebody teases me is to make jokes of it. And so, (laughs) The more people teased me about the size of my mic, the more I wanted it to be ridiculous. And the little backstory is on Sunday, I was supposed to travel to LA to do this week of free agency on NFL Network. Um, And because everything got shut down and my travel got changed, now I was forced to wirelessly report on free agency for my house. And a lot of people at the network who are reporters have home cam setups, right? With the nice fancy lavalier mics and the beautiful settings and the wonderful sets with the (laughs) NFL network backdrops and the flowers. Well, we don't have that, right? Because I wasn't set up for the home cam. So the only thing that I had (laughs) is my podcasting equipment, which is my Apple headphones and my giant Amazon Yeti mic. And uh, I was always told to eat the mic. And it needs to be close to your face. And so I assumed that was the same thing when you're on TV. And so apparently I was the only jabroni that was wearing a polo because they told me to wear a polo. Everyone else was in these three piece suits looking real, real dapper. And I'm the jabroni that's wearing a polo and talking into a mic that is twice the size of my head. (laughs) Uh, But I think I uh, made some fun of myself and uh, made it a joke. And by the end of the week, I think it was uh, one of the more popular and uh, enjoyable things that I was able to do (laughs) when I was on the show. You got to own
1: it. You definitely owned it, man. So you were supposed to be in L.A. for those shows. And obviously with the news, everything canceled. I had a family trip planned. Um i i rented an rv i got rooms at this resort in phoenix which is like a five and a half hour drive from la um Mm. the kids wanted to do an rv dad trip and you know me joe i'm not the rv type so it was like you know what let's 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 think outside the box here let's let's have a good time with the fam i was flying my parents out from pennsylvania to arizona Mm. And I stayed in it, man, till the till the bitter end. I stopped going to work as soon as the NBA as soon as the NBA news dropped. I'm like, I'm not leaving the house, Uh, but I was still holding out hope because I didn't want to lose money on this trip. And literally, up. But until at that like, point,
0: it wasn't called social distancing yet. You were just still. It being wasn't a jerk. called. Yeah, they're like Hawk. Yeah. That guy's a jerk. And then overnight, you went from pariah <laughs> to hero. All of a sudden, Hawk is the greatest social distancer of all time. Everybody should be more like Hawk. Whereas yesterday, everyone just said he's a jerk. You shouldn't be like that guy. How did that feel?
1: I'm not even kidding, man. I my, my wife, we were laying there yesterday, and she hates the fact that I never want to leave the house. She hates the fact that I am so. <laughs> content with being in a room by myself constantly like it's it's been a problem in our relationship
0: which is really funny because you're the one that's constantly flying from coast to coast constantly traveling (laughs) you're never in your house and your poor wife is the one that's always home taking care of those brats that you got at home and she's the one that really wants to be the jet setter and you're the one that wants to be the homebody but we digress
1: That's that's why it works so well, because we both work our asses off because she knows none of this stuff I actually want to do. And what she's doing, which is being cooped up in the house, she also wants to get to a point where that is not the case. So yesterday we were talking about something and I was like, no, 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 no. This is my moment to shine. All right. I let you make me feel bad about not taking the kids places or going and seeing people and being around. I'm like, for once. I'm running the ship. We're following my lead. We're not leaving the house. We're not going outside. (laughs) So for seven days, before it even was social distancing, I had already bunkered down home office. I have been so damn productive, Joe. It would make your head spin. I am on like my fifth feature film development in the last seven (laughs) days. This, depending on how long this lasts, I might end up being, um, you know, on the forbes list with my productivity from my garage you know it's so funny that
0: you said that because the very first day that everything came down which was like last friday or saturday it was uh the day after hawk's birthday which we need to come up with a really good catchphrase like uh (laughs) hawk mcgeddon day or something where like basically everything got shut down that's when things got really real where they started talking about the serious nature and they started canceling everything And uh, the very first day, my wife and I are like in the house looking at each other. We're like, well, what do we do? And we're like, all right, organize the pantry. So we went through (laughs) like the the pantry and like threw away uh, stuff that was expired by like three years. You know, everyone's got that like condiment bottle either in their fridge or their pantry that they bought like from four or five years ago that, that had just been sitting in the back and just you hadn't paid any attention to it. And for us, it was like this little bottle of Parmesan cheese that uh it was expired in 2017 and like we went (laughs) through it and i picked it up and it was one solid block of moldy parmesan cheese and for those of you that know dry parmesan this is like the stuff you shake on pizzas at chuck e cheese it's not like the fresh stuff that's really good it's like the garbage stuff that you get at like your gas station around the corner and this stuff had even gone bad with all the preservatives that were in it and we looked at that we're like yeah this was about time but so anyway so you know 30 minutes later we we'd like organized the Tupperware and all like the salt shakers and everything was like in perfect little rows. And we look at each other. We're like, all right, now what? And then we went outside and we cleaned the garage. And I I got to thinking like, man. And at that point, you didn't know how long this thing was going to be. We thought it might be a few weeks, but now it might be months. Who knows? And uh, we look at each other and we're like, yeah, garages in America are about to look real nice in about two months because people are going to just ha- have unlimited time to organize and clean and turn their houses into like a museum. So at least there's one Dude, positive. If you're a big fan of a an organized and clean garage,
1: I almost worked out yesterday. I got so close, <laughs> man. It was, Oh man. Wow. You know, things have gotten bad. If Hawk is working out. Exactly. It's also been raining in LA this entire time. So it just makes it feel that much more gloomy. And my excuse is like, well, I can't work out if it's raining. That's ridiculous, right? (laughs) So as soon as the weather breaks, my wife is going to call me on that.
0: Which is funny because the Monday I woke up and it was like a blizzard. It was a whiteout in Wisconsin. You know what my kids did? They went outside as soon as they woke up. They put all their snow pants on and they ran (laughs) right outside. And I've been using this time since I got a gym. I'm like, well... Time to get really strong because I guess there's nothing else to do. After I clean my pantry, my garage, and my fridge, like, what else is left? All right, I guess we're going to just get Dude. super strong. So uh I may be breaking the bench world record here uh, by this time next year since I won't be leaving my house.
1: <laughs> I'm going to get back into footwork videos. A good time for you to have a home gym, Joe. This is uh <laughs> also makes that investment so much more worth it. So when I canceled my trip, I called the hotel, to try to cancel my trip and they acted like they had never even heard of the coronavirus i mean you could tell they <laughs> were just so trained i'm like yeah hey man with all the news and the you know the worldwide pandemic situation i'm gonna have to cancel and they were like mm, yeah really for what and i'm like uh the coronavirus mm-hmm. and she was like she should be an actress because it was like Oh yeah, I'm sorry to hear about that. Yeah, we don't have a cancellation policy for that. And I'm like for the coronavirus that everyone is talking about. <laughs> You're like yeah, because it's news. only been
0: around for like 6 weeks, you moron.
1: And She's like, "Oh yeah, no. Um I'm a ah, that's that's not that's unfortunate for you. If you can't make it, that's okay." Um but yeah, I, we can't do that. And I I was livid. So I went on and blasted them on social media and and we yeah. fixed it. So power of social media thank you to everybody if you need help blasting any companies tweet me i will help you put them on social media blast all right all about i listeners, feel like that's the top. i'll that solid because yes. i had to
0: do that a few times i blasted uh grubhub when they screwed up uh and yep. <laughs> this was a few weeks ago i ordered pizza from a pizza place that was actually closed for the day and for some reason the wires got crossed and grubhub told me that they were open. So I made the order. They said that the order went through, that it was being made and that it was being delivered even though the restaurant was completely closed. And so I waited (laughs) for my pizzas for like two hours and finally I called customer service who called the restaurant and they were like, well, I, we don't know what happened. Uh, they're not answering their phones. And I'm like, okay. So then I blew them up on social media and they got back to me the next day. They were like, yeah, we've been closed on Monday for like three weeks. We we have a new hourly schedule uh, and we told Grubhub, but for some reason, like the third party that handles it, they dropped it. So uh, I kind of felt bad about the pizza place getting blasted a little bit, but I think we ended up assigning the blame appropriately to Grubhub <laughs> at that time. And uh, this was after the the Tomahawk followings, the, the Tomaflock blew up. The uh, the outdoor heater company this over the summer after we had some <laughs> issues with the uh, 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 outdoor heater order so uh, I guess we have no shame in in uh, destroying no. small businesses and large businesses alike
1: they'll never sponsor our podcast but as long as we get yeah. our service that's that's all that counts <laughs> and same for our listeners man if you're listening and you need us to blast people present us your case and we will put them on blast big cat does that a lot at PMT he 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 makes sure these customers uh. Get their money's worth. Whatever his listeners need, somebody blasted. That's a good question tomahawk for investigates. Yeah. So tell me this, man. I need you. I need your opinion on this. Because I, I don't know. I genuinely. This is not a take. This is not a joke. This is me trying to find real information from a friend. Is it okay to order food right now?
0: I think so. I believe that if you're ordering food, one, you're doing a good service. We talked about at the beginning is like the beginning of an emergency. You always think about like protecting your family and yourself and how does this affect me? And then after you're like, okay, we're all right. And you start seeing the big picture. It's like, all right, how do we help the people around us? Well, restaurants, they're probably hurting more than most people because yeah. they have no customers. They got, nobody's leaving their house. Nobody's going to the restaurant. And the only way that they're able to pay any so, sort of their bills is with pickup and and takeout and delivery stuff. And so I think ordering that would be one, a a great service to those restaurants to kind of give them a little bit of business to hopefully help pull them through this really difficult time. But Mm -hmm. also too, I think that they're taking the highest level of safety as far as sanitizing goes. Um, But also once you get that food, if the, it comes in a bag or whatever type of surfaces that have been touched by maybe a couple hands, just make sure you wipe it down or throw it or uh, throw it away or, you know, do whatever you have to. But I I would say that, uh, ordering food pickup or takeout would definitely be below the, uh, risk category that would concern me. And maybe you're a little bit different, but, uh, I wouldn't have any problem doing any sort of ordering from a restaurant right now.
1: Dude, trust me. I I mean, Social distancing and ordering pizza all day. Come on, man. That's like, that's right up my alley. I'm there with you. I think
0: you died on your birthday and went to your own personal (laughs) heaven where you can be a jerk and it's okay. And it's actually encouraged and you get to eat pizza. And wait a second.
1: Does Mountain Dew deliver to the house? Dude, I already had seven cases here (laughs) in the crib and I've been going through them so fast. My, My son brought me one yesterday with a bottle of water. And he said, I'll only get you sodas if you drink a bottle of water right now. And he held the the soda in his hand and made me drink a bottle of water. That's, (laughs) That's the level I'm at my eight-year-old is giving me sound advice.
0: While people across the world were inexplicably hoarding toilet paper, the Hawkins family was hoarding Mountain Dew cases. (laughs) And there's a reason Costco ran out of Mountain Dew in LA before they ran out of toilet paper is because Hawk showed up with a semi and said, drop it off, baby. I need all of it. Give me your Mountain Dew. And the the, the employee said, oh, it's in the back. He said, no, no, no. Give me all of your Mountain Dew. And then The shocked look on his face was only replaced by the semi driving right through the door and picking up all the pallets of Mountain Dew that they had shipped right to the
1: Hawkins house. Exactly, man. So, I mean, the food stuff. So, yeah, I want to order food. I'm, I'm just I'm nervous. I'm scared. I don't know. I, I'm, I need to get more information. I think more answers will come. But I think that's a big part of the service industry. Like you said, they're hurting there because people are thinking probably like me that like, oh, man, I don't know. Somebody ordered somebody ordered me some wine yesterday to the house and the guy showed up, knocked on the door, and I didn't know, like, I didn't get a heads up at first, they mentioned it, but I didn't think it was coming so, like, fast to the house, Um, and he's like, oh, you know, I'm like, you're at the wrong house, he's like, no, 1824, I'm like, "Uh, yeah, he's like, are you Andrew Hawkins? I'm like, "Uh, no, that's not my house number, but I am Andrew Hawkins, and he's like, oh, well, this is this is from so-and-so. And I'm like, oh, okay. He's like, let me get an ID. And I took it out. and He went to go like hey, grab it. And I pulled back and was like, hey, man, you got to just either look at it, take a picture or something. And then even the delivery he left, I left it outside overnight. I closed the door and just left it out there. I have packages on my porch because I'm like, if I give them time, maybe the surfaces will clean themselves. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Actually, you know, I, I did read a report that said, a little bit of cardboard can carry the virus, but it's only going to survive and be viable on cardboard for a few hours, unlike a hard service where it might be viable for several days. So there's something to what you're saying there. But when you're describing that situation, I couldn't help but think of home alone. You know, when he orders the pizza and the pizza guy comes to the back and he yeah. is playing the video because he doesn't want the pizza delivery guy to see that he's a child ordering this pizza. I yeah. feel like that's probably what you're doing. Only yours is like the coronavirus version and you're shooting off fake fireworks and guns to make him think <laughs> that, um, Uh, You're actually shooting at him just so you don't have to get close to him because of the social distancing aspect.
1: Exactly. Exactly, man. That's exactly what I'm doing. Um, Also, I am in the Mountain Dew Hall of Fame. That is one Hall of Fame. Oh, matter of fact, and we're going to get in a free agency for anybody listening. I promise we will get there soon. I actually got notice over the last couple of weeks that I'm going to be inducted into the Cambria County Hall of Fame in Pennsylvania. So... That is actually my second Hall of Fame, Joe, between the Mountain Dew and Cambria County, and yours is Wisconsin uh, College Football Hall of Fame, track and field. What other Hall of Fames are you in? Uh, my high school, my college, uh, track Hall of Fame. Uh-huh. Oh, and then the College Football Hall of Fame. So four, College yeah. football. And then when you get to the NFL Hall of Fame, that'll be five, and you're 30, <laughs> what, five? 35. 35 years old, five Hall of Fames. That's not bad. That's, that's, a good, that's, a, that's a good pace. All
0: right, Hawk. NFL Free Agency has kicked off this week. There's been a bunch of wild stuff that's happened. Um, let's count down the 10 biggest NFL stories of the week, and we'll react to them one by one. Let's do it. All right, let's start with number 10. The NFL players voted to approve the CBA last weekend. What was your reaction when you saw that the vote had passed?
1: Um, Initial reaction was I was a little pissed. I'm not going to lie because there's there a couple of reasons why I was mad. Number one, 500 players didn't vote. And number two, I mean, we can go back and forth with the, you know, the revenue and these things, blah, 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 blah. But the older players that used to play the game, they were the biggest losers in the deal. That didn't sit well with me. You know, I come from a football family with a lot of guys over 40 that have played in the NFL and rely on some of those benefits. Um, and they're the ones that are most directly affected by the new CBA. I felt like it was taken lightly, man. And I I just I just think it's a weird thing for 22 year olds to vote on the benefits of players who are 55 years old. That's just so it just and then it's not even unique to this CBA. It's just a weird thing thing for me in general
0: yeah I think it's a tough situation because even though the NFL players that are all retired right now don't have a seat at the table because they have nothing to exchange for more money because they're not playing anymore it's all done and I remember being in that situation and 2019 or or 2009 when the last CBA was going through and we had the former players were trying to get more benefits and I think it's the duty of players to think about those former players and do what they can to help them but it is also a difficult situation knowing that the owners aren't opening up their wallet out of the goodness of their heart, to give up their money to the former players. So it's the players are the only ones that are able to open up their wallets, and instead of them taking the money from the owners, they can pass it on to the former players. I would have loved to seen the owners step up to the table. Instead of the players having to give up some of their share, the owners would give up some of their share for the former players, for the retired players that the game was built on. But uh, my biggest concern and issue with the new CBA vote like yours was, all these guys didn't even vote. It's like you didn't care. If you don't vote, you're saying my vote is that I don't care what happens. And so it was hard for me to be sympathetic of current players that had issues with giving up the 17th game, which was the ultimate chip, the ultimate leverage point that current players had and that owners really wanted. And a lot of people were saying that the players didn't get enough for giving up a lot, another piece of their bodies, because that's what really you're doing in the NFL. You're exchanging your health, your wellness for your body and your brain by playing the game of football, which is extremely violent And the injury rate is 100% for money. That's what the trade-off is, right? And so a 17th game is exponentially more beatings on your body. And the players, in my opinion, and in the opinion of a lot of people, didn't get enough in return for that. But because a lot of people didn't vote, to me, they're saying they don't care. So I lost a little bit of sympathy when I heard that.
1: You know, and I I, I agree with that sentiment to to a point. And I know for some guys, it's hard. For the players um, that really can't miss a check right Um, but our understanding of the situation that a lot of other guys and the implications of this CBA and who it affects I could see them being like man I don't know which way to vote I'm bowing out but what I would have liked the NFLPA to do was to have a check sheet to make sure every player was accounted for so even if you are undecided and you can't figure out who to vote for check that box and say that like, because we never have a problem making sure all the players accounted for when they need to opt into the NFLPA every year when they come around and people have to sign those sheets. They figure out a way to do that for something as important as this. I feel like every single player should have been accounted for and there shouldn't been a situation where there were 500 uncasted votes. I think that was bad. The other thing is I felt like there should have been an extensive study guide for every important point in the CBA that affects older players, younger players, revenue games, um to practice, to wear and tear on the body, benefits, you name it. There should have been a study guide for everyone. And to vote on it, you should have taken it until you passed for a vote and everyone had to do it. Otherwise, I don't like the fact again that people voted on it and they don't they really don't realize how it's affecting older players. I'm almost to the point now where I feel like older players or former players should have their own union and that union should do the deals with the with the NFLPA and the NFL because it doesn't make sense that they are affected, again, by people that aren't considering them, which is asinine because every player will be a former player at some time.
0: I think you hit on something that irked me also is that the NFLPA, to me, they dropped the ball because they didn't do any studies on the effects that a 17th game would have on the injuries and the health and wellness of players. Because that's like I talked about earlier, really, as players, that's what you're exchanging for the money that you get in this game. It's your health and wellness. And the NFLPA really didn't put any studies out there. They didn't do any hard thinking to be able to explain to the players, what does this mean? Like there was not enough information. And in order to vote, I think the fact that a lot of players didn't Vote. They were telling the union we didn't get enough information on this because we're not well informed. And I think that was a big uh, drop and a big miss from the NFL Players Association. But lastly, I was a little bit conflicted because now that we are former players, but we also work for the NFL, being NFL network employees and we're fans, (laughs) we rely on games being played. And so there was part of me that was a little relieved knowing that, hey, because they got this thing done, we're not going to miss games for another 10 plus years because we have labor peace and so not having the fear of a lockout was nice from a fan standpoint that we can just stop worrying about that and start focusing more on football and hey we work for nfl network so what the heck more revenue for nfl owners <laughs> better for us because now they can pay their talent a little bit better although right. i think tony romo may have taken all of the surplus money with that new contract that he just signed <laughs> there's a little part of me that hopes maybe there's a little trickle down to us little guys at the network
1: We'll see, and that is a conflict because we work for both companies essentially. Um, but also, imagine if we actually don't have football because of the coronavirus stuff. How much worse that's to going to look that. for them who were like, "Oh, that. we can't miss any checks," and then now like, "Oh, we don't have football anyway." And you already locked into this deal. All right. Hmm. Well, I'm happy there's football. I'm sure everyone else is happy there's football. That's the silver lining and everything, and that's all we care about. All right. Now to number nine: Drew Brees, Ryan Tannehill, Amari Cooper. Kirk Cousins, all staying put. Dak Prescott, A.J. Green, Derrick Henry, and Bud Dupree all get franchise tag. Joe. Do any of these re-signings or franchise tags surprise you?
0: No, they don't actually. I think all of those franchise tags and re-signings were used appropriately. Uh, I think Derrick Henry was the one that a lot of people looked at and said, oh, why didn't they give him a long-term deal? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the franchise tag specifically is used for players that one, you're worried their production is going to drop after they get the long-term deal because they play a position that requires you to be extremely reckless with your own health, which is the running back position. And a lot of times we've seen it throughout history. Just go back. You pay the running back those big deals. All of a sudden, They're not as reckless with their body because now they're thinking about, well, I got that big check. I want to be able to enjoy it when I retire. So they're not playing as Mm. physical and as aggressive as they usually are, which a lot of times is the difference between an average running back and a superstar running back. So the fact that they franchised Derrick Henry is not a surprise, and it's exactly why teams use the franchise tag. That's why players don't like the franchise tag. Uh, But also the only other reason you'd want to use a franchise tag is if you have a player who has like a one-year flash in the pan type season like a Shaq Barrett down in Tampa who had a great season, a ton of sacks, but you're not exactly sure what kind of player he is. So you want to give yourself an extra season to kind of figure out who they are and what type of value he brings to your team before you give them that long-term deal. Those other guys, those guys are all key parts of their franchise and it made a ton of sense to be able to get those guys under contract and to bring them back for the next season. So those didn't surprise me at all.
1: I was surprised by all of these. Not all of them. No, all of them. Wow. You took the complete opposite stance. Yeah. Derrick Henry, you paid. I, I would be okay with your Derrick Henry take if you didn't pay Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill is only Ryan Tannehill, $100 million man, because he had Derrick Henry. But, like
0: a, but franchising Derrick Henry doesn't mean he walks out the door. It just means you get him at a good deal and you don't have to lock him up long-term. They can uh, franchise him again next year probably for less than they would have had to pay him if they would have locked him up for a two-year deal. So they were able to show keep up. both those guys and they were able to keep the security of having the most important person on the field, which is the quarterback position.
1: No, because if Derrick Henry doesn't show up, you've now wasted $100 million on Ryan Tannehill. If Derrick Henry sits out, which if I was him... I would as a big bruiser who is not going to lose value by not taking wear and tear off his body because that's his game. And I feel like GMs are smart enough to understand that. If I was him, I would sit out until he got his deal. And if he sits out
0: the team made a calculated risk by franchising him because oh, they saw how about. running backs have been dealt with after they've sat out. Look what happened yeah. to Melvin Gordon last year, right? He and sat out trying to force a big contract. He didn't get it. The year before, Le'Veon Bell, he sat out the whole year because he got franchised. He didn't get more than but he, even that doesn't he matter, Joe? if he would have signed the deal. So these running backs, they're starting to understand that holding out doesn't necessarily put them in a better situation. And therefore the teams are in a smart position to franchise them because they know that players are unlikely to hold
1: out now yeah they're unlikely to hold out now because the cba is now you can't hold out well that too. i forgot about that so <laughs> that all, <laughs> i was trying to cut you off but yeah i i didn't think about that either but he can't hold out anyway so yeah i guess maybe it's a good idea jack prescott he should get his money i felt like that was a surprise um because they're basically it's like the guy who has been dating a, a, a girl for 15 years and they have five kids together and he's like yeah i don't know man i don't know if i'm ready for marriage and it's like uh you idiot they're just prolonging the inevitable i feel like that's what the cowboys are doing with Dak prescott
0: yeah that's the last use of a franchise tag where teams and players know they're going to get a deal done they just need a little more time so they slap the franchise tag on them gives them a little bit more time to find the right value for that long-term contract all right number eight the Cleveland Browns have made some key additions. I don't know if you saw it, Hawk. They signed a right tackle, Jack Conklin, from the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. They signed tight end Austin Hooper from the Atlanta Falcons. They signed QB, Case Keenum. And they also signed Andrew Billings, who's a defensive tackle, and B.J. Goodson, who's a linebacker. And they also mm-hmm. traded for a fullback. Uh, great, the Browns offseason so far.
1: I like it, man. I, I, I would say I give them, as of right now, a B. A B. I give him a B, which is good because I think the draft can put him over the top if they make the right decision. They still have to shore up that offensive line. I think Austin Hooper is a a gangster, and I think he's going to add a a great element to the offense. Um, But the problem for them that it's like this is the one thing we have to make sure we address is offensive line. They did that with uh, Conklin. If they can draft a top guy, our guy, in the first round of the draft, Mr. Tomahawk himself. Georgia tackle Andrew Thomas. (laughs) Then I will bump them to an A, Joe. Mm. Mm. I like that take. You think Case Keenum is going to mesh with Baker Mayfield? Because I feel like there's going to be some competition.
0: I don't know a whole lot about Case. All I know is that Case had a really good season in Minnesota with Kevin Stefanski. He knows the Mm -hmm. system. Uh, Personality-wise, if he meshes pretty well with Baker, he could definitely be an asset in that meeting room. I'm going to have to do a little bit more research there on Case to find out if those guys have any history together, if they like each other, if they don't like each other, if they both have personalities that would allow them to mesh. Because we all know that Baker sometimes can have an abrasive personality. But I think bringing in a, a veteran guy, if he doesn't feel threatened by him, could be a good thing but obviously there's something to watch because case keenum could be coming in thinking hey man i had a great season with stefanski so i maybe have an opportunity if i get in there to prove that i'm the guy so definitely something to watch i would say that that is potentially the only negative of the signings that they have made so far because case keenum is a backup we love it but Potential for a little bit of personality conflict in that room leads me to give the Browns an A-. minus. But the thing that I loved about the signings that they made is all these guys fit with what their scheme is on offense, especially because Jack Conklin is one of the big reasons why Derrick Henry had the great season that he did in that wide zone running scheme that the Tennessee Titans had steamrolling their way into the playoffs. And Jack Conklin, you can get a guy like him at a reasonable value because even though he was the number one guy available uh, at his position in free agency, which usually means you've got to reset the market. He doesn't have the prototypical technique of an offensive tackle. And because of that, some teams in pass protection are going to take a look and say, hmm. Not sure that we want to reset the market with a guy that doesn't have that look, right? It's like a a short receiver who's super productive, but maybe doesn't have that uh, long-distance speed that he needs. But he's very productive. And so teams can find him because he fits really well in the scheme that they like. But I love the Jack (laughs) Conklin signing. They didn't have to break the bank, and they got the perfect fit for the offense at right tackle. Austin Hooper, big tight end when you're running uh, the outside zone scheme. The Kyle Shanahan type offense, you need a big tight end in the middle of the field because a lot of separation is had between the linebackers and the safety when you run your play action pass because you got your receivers that are taking the top off and and making the, the safeties back up. You've got the running backs and the, the offensive linemen up front who are running the play action, who are getting those linebackers to come downhill. And it creates this void between this, the linebackers and the secondary. And that's where a big tight end, like an Austin Hooper, who's a great athlete who can catch the football could play bigly in the offense, especially when you have a shorter quarterback like Baker, give him a big target in the middle of the field. That can be his security blanket on play action passes, but also once they get down to the red zone, which was an area that they struggled in last season.
1: I don't know if you've ever given the Browns anything less than an A in any offseason. In the last three offseasons, we've talked. Well, they've won the offseason Super Bowl for the last three seasons. So (laughs) there's a reason I gave them those A's. Andrew Barry just continuing the tradition, right? All right. Yeah, man. Number seven. The Panthers are parting ways with Cameron Newton. Teddy Bridgewater got a huge contract. Should we assume that Cam Newton's body is that broken down at 30 years old? That's part of it. My my
0: full answer is there's two big parts with Cam Newton. One is the health. And in light of the travel restrictions, in light of the NFL saying that you can't do medical visits right now, players that have injuries, the Jadevian Clownies, the Cam Newtons, the guys that teams want to get their hands on and be able to have their medical staff give a full physical evaluation in person before they sign them to Megabucks deals are having problems getting signed because teams just don't feel comfortable passing Ah. out those huge checks without having their medical staff look at them. So I think that's why there's a lot of trepidation with Cam Newton, but also he's been a running quarterback. He's been a dual threat quarterback that has relied on his ability to run, to threaten in defenses and open up things in the passing game. There's a lot of reports that he never became the student of the game that the elite level quarterbacks have to be in order to take their game to a Hall of Fame level. And he always kind of relied on his ability to make plays with his feet. And because that happened, now that his body is breaking down, everything is kind of catching up to him because he never developed the side of his game where he can just stand back there and pick apart a defense. And I think it's really hurting him. And that's even a bigger factor than the injury at this point.
1: But isn't that, he's done that before though, Joe. He won MVP that year. He was dicing people up. He wasn't just taking off running the whole season. But here, you know, you
0: what you miss though is the threat of him taking off and running is what allowed him to dice people up, right? Lamar Jackson was dicing people up with his arm this year, but nobody would say he was looking like Drew Brees back there It was because you had the threat of running forced defenses to close in on the line of scrimmage forced defenses into different coverages to try to take away the line of scrimmage and the quarterback running you got to put a spy on him with a safety or a linebacker you got to run certain blitzes you got to sell out much more to the run game to try to take away a running quarterback versus when you got a guy like Brady or Breeze or Phillip Rivers who's immobile you can put many more resources into your pass coverage and so a guy like Cam Newton who's had both of those threats all of a sudden you take away his ability to run teams can start putting resources into the pass coverage and now it makes his job throwing the football much more difficult and we saw that last year with some of his inability to stand back there and throw the football when he had the foot injury
1: mm, nah, that's a good take it's hard for me to argue that all right uh what do we got next number six
0: stefan Diggs goes to buffalo for a hall of picks is going from minnesota to buffalo an upgrade for stefan Diggs?
1: Yeah, it's an upgrade for him for this reason. Kirk Cousins, who is the MVP of the business of football, um, every three years he's going to sign a guaranteed <laughs> contract of over a hundred million dollars, um, and he is not Rops going to, to give you. He's going to I play love just when enough. Get that bag, and they don't
0: <laughs> always deserve it.
1: Come yeah, I love, he's going to play just good enough for you to give him another bag. And I always <laughs> dreamed of being
0: the guy that ended up in Sports Illustrated. Like, this is the guy from 2010 decade that got paid way more money than he should have. Like that was always my (laughs) dream because no matter how you
1: play, you should feel good that you made more money than you should have. Exactly. That's the goal, right? The goal is to get them to overpay and it's the team's goals to try to get you um, for as cheap as possible. But this is why it's a good move for Diggs because Josh Allen, he is like a honey badger because he don't give a shit. He is going (laughs) to throw the ball anywhere. Doesn't matter who's there. So what Diggs was upset about in Minnesota was the amount of chances he was getting because Kirk, is had his eyes on the guaranteed prize. It's like, yeah, I'm not throwing that pick, buddy. I'm not taking this chance. Nope, I'm not throwing that ball because I'm lining myself up to get more money. Josh Allen, he don't give a damn. He is just going to toss that thing up. He's going to give Diggs a bunch of chances to make plays, and they're going to win the division because Tom Brady, teaser, is no longer with the New England Patriots. Mm. Oh, what, what happened? Oh, save yeah. it for later. We'll Sorry, save it for later. Sorry, I, I, no, I didn't mean I, to ruin the show. Yeah, but you yeah. ruined the show. Thank you, you heard it here first. right
0: now. No, I think that was a great take. I think Stephon Diggs going to Buffalo is great for both teams. First of all, it kind of gives a, a little bit of a distraction that had lived in Minnesota. An out, send them away, get a first-round pick and a bunch of other picks. It makes Minnesota better. It makes Buffalo way better because now you get the young Josh Allen, a legitimate deep threat weapon like Stephon Diggs. And it's great for Stephon Diggs because now he gets two things, which is the only two things that any receiver I've ever talked to that people say, Oh, they're a diva. They're tough to work with. No, they're not because the only two things those guys want are wins and opportunities to catch the football. And that's what he's going to get in Buffalo. Right. Even though some people can say, Oh, he's a headache. He's a diva. Yeah. Most receivers are, I work with one on a daily basis. I know what it's like, (laughs) but when it comes down to it, usually they're that way because they're competitive. They want to win and they want the football and Buffalo is exactly the place for digs to get that.
1: I want to win and I want the football, two things that I did not get as a career (laughs) NFL player. All right, going to number five, the Chicago Bears traded for quarterback Nick Foles from the Jacksonville Jaguars. How many games does Foles start for Chicago next season, Joe?
0: The Chicago Bears-Nick Foles template is exactly the template that we saw last year with the Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill. I expect it to go pretty similarly. So my games for Nick Foles next year is going to be 10. They're going to give... Mitch Trubisky, six games in Chicago. And after six games, he's going to be eh, up and down 50-50. But that coaching staff in Chicago has worked with Nick Foles back when Matt Nagy was in Philadelphia. They know exactly what they're going to get. And who better to lead the Chicago Bears than Big Mike Nick Foles. He's the guy that came (laughs) in in Philly and did it. And he's going to do it again in Chicago.
1: I equate Nick Foles. Okay, so. Every time I look at NFL players, I put them in the NBA category. I know that sounds weird um, because here's what I think GMs have to consider when either sport. It either comes down to if you get that superstar quarterback, which there are typically only about 11 of them on on planet Earth, or you get one of those superstar NBA players, which typically there's only about 11 of them on planet Earth. Mm, So, My Nick Foles comp is Linsanity. Foles will play seven games this year. He is still riding a Linsanity-type wave from that Super Bowl run, which was amazing, and I love Nick, and I think he's an incredible guy, and his story is impeccable. He's a great family man, but as a quarterback, he is Linsanity to me. He will play seven games because Trubisky will struggle for four. They'll call for Foles. Foles will come in, play one or two good games in between the first four, and then he will struggle for three, and they will put Trubisky back in to finish the season. I don't think Foles is a better option in Chicago than Cam Newton. I don't think Foles was a better option in Chicago than Andy Dalton. I don't think Foles was a better option in Chicago for Jacoby Brissett. I don't think Foles is a better option in Chicago for Jameis Winston, to be quite honest. I think Foles is a good quarterback. I think Foles is a backup who played really well at a perfect stretch of time, and he is still riding that wave.
0: Hawk, I like that Sanity take. That matches up pretty good. We need to call it full sanity, and I believe that that might be a thing. We should try to get that trending on Twitter. All right, number four. The defending NFC champion, San Francisco 49ers, had some big decisions to make with their defense. They re-signed Eric Armstead, they extended Jimmy Ward, and they traded star defensive lineman DeForest Buckner to the Colts for a first-round pick. Do you trust Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch to keep the 49ers a contender?
1: Absolutely, because their defense retained the most important part that everyone suspected that they would lose, Joe. Do you know what that was? Who was that? That is Robert Salah. Salah. (laughs) Salah. I still don't know how to pronounce his name. But the defensive coordinator. He is a guy that should not be their D coordinator anymore. He should be a head coach somewhere. He is not. The fact that they still have him is more important than them losing any of the other players because that's the thing about good defenses. People are going to get paid. They're going to leave. So the consistency that you need with that is to make sure that coach stays intact. I can't believe that they have him for another year.
0: I trust John Lynch. I trust Kyle Shanahan. He's a brilliant offensive mind. He's a brilliant leader. But this is exactly what happens when you have success in the NFL. Guys get paid or guys have to leave because once you draft well and you develop well, which is what Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have been doing, you're going to have to make tough decisions because in the NFL, there's a hard salary cap. You can't keep everybody. This is just what happens when you have that type of success. So sometimes you got to let guys go. And in this case, they got a first round draft pick. So they were able to turn in a great player who they probably weren't. Weren't going to be able to resign anyway into a first-round draft pick. Kudos to them for doing that. Now they just got to find a way to reload. But, oh, look, they already have four great defensive linemen. So it's not like they had to get rid of one of their great players and now they have a huge hole. They've still got four great players. So great move by 49ers. It was a tough situation, but they made the most of it. That's a great
1: job, and they're going to be able to continue doing that. All right, number three, Joe, Phil Rivers. He signed a one-year deal with the Colts. Not deer, Deal. And my questions to you are these. Does this move the needle for Indy? Number one. Number two, should they have kept the 13th overall pick and taken a quarterback? And number three, will Philip Rivers move all 237 of his children from California to Indiana?
0: All right, I'm going to attack your questioning one by one. First of all, this does move the needle for Indy because this is a team that is a playoff team, potentially a Super Bowl team, that all they needed was veteran quarterback play. Phillip Rivers had a down year last year, there's no doubt. But when you watch the tape, I think the reason he had a down year was because he had a lot of offensive line issues in front of him. They lost a lot of close games, and because of that shaky offensive line play, it caused him to be under duress, and it forced him to make throws before he was ready, a number of times and this caused him to lose a little bit of confidence and as a quarterback confidence is everything because decision making is the most important thing from a quarterback standpoint and it's not like Philip Rivers is a guy that relies on his legs right he's not a running quarterback he's a guy that rely, relies on his arm and so he did not have any loss in arm strength. So it's reasonable to believe that once he gets to the Colts, who have a great offensive line in front of him, he's going to be able to get that confidence back, especially now that he's back with Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni, who were guys that worked with him when he was back in San Diego with the San Diego Chargers, and he had great success with him. If you look back two years ago, Philip Rivers had a great season. So it's not like all of a sudden he dropped off the cliff from a physical ability standpoint. It was all related to that shaky offensive line and that loss of confidence in them which forced him into making bad decisions and gave him a little bit of a confidence uh, drop in his own ability and his own decision-making. But that'll all end once he gets out to Indy.
1: I don't understand how you can have that take on Philip Rivers' performance and have the opposite take on Cam Newton's performance. Both of their O-lines were shitty. Both of them played bad over the last couple of years. Philip Rivers' arm has definitely changed. He's definitely made worse decisions. If you look at even the last game, what game was that, where it was like everything was on the line. He just literally threw up a punt between like four defenders. And I'm not saying Phillip Rivers is bad. Phillip Rivers is one of the best quarterbacks of our era. But the the only needle I want to hear about Phillip Rivers moving is when he signs up alongside me for our vasectomy appointments. That's the only time Mm. I am tuning in to to Mm. that headline because this doesn't do anything for the Indianapolis Colts. Philip Rivers is good, but they're just going to be okay. That I, they're not. He's not going to get them over the hump to contend for a championship. His his NBA comp is Russell Westbrook, who where you feel like you got one of the <laughs> eleven missing the NBA a lot. right? You feel like you got one of the eleven, but for some reason, it just never gets over the hump. He has been an NFL great forever for the last two decades. But for whatever reason, you still don't put him in that class with the Roethlisbergers, with the Breezes, with the Tom Brady's, with the Peyton Manning's, because something just isn't there. It's like Westbrook. He's an incredible player. He has all the makings. He's a superstar when he gets out there. But for whatever reason, he can't get over the hump to be a guy that just say, hey, if we have this guy, we win a championship. We're in contention for a championship as long as this guy is in the building for whatever reason. Philip is not one of those guys. The difference between Cam Newton and Philip Rivers to address
0: that question is that Cam Newton was dual threat and he relied on his feet and his feet are broken. Okay. Philip Rivers relies on his arm. His arm is but his broken. His arm isn't broken. You say his arm was broken. I'm saying you watched the film. It was a confidence thing because he was forced into throws he wasn't ready to make, and he had no confidence in his offensive line, forced him into bad decisions. But you're going to see a different Philip Rivers because the Indy offensive line is great. The Indy run game is really good, and they have a championship defense. And by the way, oh, they just got this guy named DeForest Buckner, and yeah, they gave up the 13th pick for him, Did but that's because. He's worth it. When you give up a first round pick like that and the guy's worth it, I applaud him because you know what? In, in the NFL, when you get a first round pick, there's a 50-50 success rate. When you sign and trade for a guy like DeForest Buckner, there's about a 100% success rate. You know exactly who you're going to get. And yeah, you got to pay him, but that's why they give you a salary cap. So you can go out and pay dudes that you know are going to be really good.
1: Nah, man, I, 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 we are definitely in disagreement there. And also, Philip Rivers, keep having kids, man. I love it. I, I hope his family grows to 20 people. I think that's the coolest thing in the world. When I social distance, I'm going to need 20 kids. So I, I envy him. Never stop, bro. Never stop having them. All right, Joe, you're up.
0: Can't say this without
1: laughing. (laughs) All right, number two. The Texans traded DeAndre
0: Hopkins, one of the best receivers in the NFL, to the Cardinals and somehow did not get a first-round draft pick. Oh, by the way, they did get David Johnson, but not the 2017 and 2018 David Johnson. They got the 2019 David Johnson, which after getting a big contract and getting injured, he was not nearly as effective. He was not even half the man he used to be.
1: Is Bill O'Brien tripping? Bill O'Brien, we should – I, I want to start a new podcast called What the Hell, Bill O'Brien, and we just talk about everything <laughs> that makes zero sense that Bill O'Brien has done as a GM. I, I'm not even going to speak to the coaching stuff because I, I haven't played for him as a player. Um, but from a GM perspective, he is making decisions way too emotional, and there has been a pattern here to being like, okay, you can't, you, you can't let – just your coach run run the entire place because if he and DeAndre Hopkins had issues which to me that's the only logical answer I can't believe you traded arguably the best receiver in the NFL and I don't even want to make it arguable anymore I give him number one because he's the only one who has done it regardless of who's that quarterback so you trade the best receiver in the league for less than a first round pick that is so ridiculous it makes zero sense And more to the point of that, I always make that just because people are general managers doesn't mean they know what the hell they're doing.
0: Hawk, I know you're a man of history and you love the history of the world in the United States. So I'm going to take you back here to the 1700s when our great founding fathers came up with this wonderful idea called the separation of powers. They Mm. didn't like the idea of having a king who could have all the powers and have all the decision-making authority to make emotional decisions that were not detached and were not in the best interest of the country. Well, that's exactly what's happening right now in Houston with Bill O'Brien. There is no separation of powers. So, Bill O'Brien is allowing personal, emotional, interpersonal yep. differences to determine the outcome of his personnel. Like, you don't like something about this player, and you just go ahead and you send him to the gallows because you don't like him, but you don't have somebody that's removed emotionally from the situation, who's always thinking in the best interest of the entire organization, not what makes it easy on the practice field for you as a coach, but what is the best interest of the team? And that's why teams have general managers. That's why they have presidents who make some of these big decisions, or at least have big say in how this happens, because it's too easy for a coach who's sitting there on a daily basis, who's dealing with a player who may have some personality issues, who feels like that player is a headache to say, you know what? Ah, I got so much going on. I got too many things to deal with as a head coach and a GM. The last thing I want is more on my plate to deal with a player that I feel like is more high maintenance than he should be. So I'm going to just trade him for whatever anybody will give me. And that's the wrong decision. That's exactly what happened here with DeAndre Hopkins. And if you had a person, a grand poobah, a uh, Supreme court, maybe, or a Congress in this situation Uh who could look at the, what's in the best interest of this team they could help him make those decisions that weren't from an emotional standpoint or weren't from a what makes my job easier standpoint they were making those decisions as what is in the best interest of the team this would not have gotten done because this is the laughing stock of the offseason
1: so Dude, far it, it, that was bad and i couldn't agree more all right so next we're going to number 1 i have nothing even for that because it just it's the beginning of the end for me like when it happens this is one of this will be the point where people point to and say oh this is the reason why You know, we should be looking elsewhere. All right. So number one, are you ready, Joe? I don't know. I know everyone listening. This is breaking news to everyone. You heard it here first. Please credit Tomahawk show. Tom Brady signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Joe, tell me, how do you think this move will affect the Patriots and affect the Buccaneers Super Bowl chances this upcoming season?
0: This move by Tom Brady to go sign with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers absolutely cripples the Patriots. Not only do they lose the greatest quarterback of all time, who still has plenty left in the tank. I know some people are saying, oh, he's not the same Tom Brady. He used to be hogwash. If you watch the film, he's got plenty of arm. He's still making all the throws. It was just a matter of mistiming a lot of cases. And for Tom Brady, his receivers weren't getting to the spots that he wanted. So he was trying to avoid sacks and negative plays a lot of times by throwing the ball in the dirt. When he goes down to Tampa with all the weapons that they have, the Mike Evans, the OJ Howards, he's going to look like a completely different quarterback. And people aren't going to be talking about this decline thing that has been a little bit of a popular comment. Uh, But in New England, this absolutely cripples them because they've lost the greatest quarterback of all time. But they've also lost the culture warrior in New England. They've always talked about how the Patriots way is easy to replace guys because they come in, they fall in line, they buy into with what's going on. But you know, Bill Belichick was a big part of it. But even a bigger part of that was Tom Brady and the way he does things, the way he goes about his business and the way as soon as you walk into that locker room, you see Tom Brady doing things a certain way, you fall right in line. Now they don't have that guy. They don't have anybody at the quarterback position who can easily succeed Brady right now because they had not been planning for it. And I I would say that this is a little bit of a hit towards the Patriots and the ego that they had built up over 20 years of success where oh, we can replace everybody because we always know that Tom's going to keep coming back. He's going to keep sacrificing for this team financially. He's going to sacrifice socially. He's going to sacrifice personally because yeah, that's just what happens. And so they took Tom Brady for granted a little bit. And I think that was part of the reason he left. And so now they're stuck with uh, Jared Stidham and Cody Kessler at quarterback. They're probably going to make a move, but whoever it is, he's not going to bring the same umph and culture that tom brady had and that's going to be
1: impossible to replace it's going to be either cam newton or andy dalton that's my prediction hawkstradamus listen tom brady to the to buccaneers it made me figure everything out joe like i am such a savant with life it just all comes to me so clear i see things in full picture it's like a hawk right a hawk sees like the full picture of everything that's that's why my name is Hawk. It's not because of my. This is my, the ultimate self by the way. This is humility, OK? This is the humility hour of the show. I humbly tell you that I <laughs> see things in full picture, HD, wow. 3D, x-ray style vision. Joe, listen to this. I figured it out. When Tom Brady decided to leave the Patriots, it triggered for me. I'm like, oh, man. We thought that he cared about the Super Bowls. And it, it, it dawned on me. He doesn't give a shit about the Super Bowls anymore. He has the most. He has a comfortable lead. He wants the all-time passing records. He wants to leave as the best all-time passer. How do you do that? You go to where they have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and you probably lobby to bring Antonio Brown there. Because at the Patriots, those weapons aren't going to get him there. And Drew Brees, who also wants to leave as the NFL's all-time passer, is not slowing down. It's why Drew keeps signing. He's not going to retire because he knows Tom is on his heels. So Drew won't retire until Tom does. And Tom wants to be in a situation where he can make headway in that lead and try to sustain. And Tampa Bay is the place for that. And Bruce Arians is the coach for that.
0: Even more than all that, what he really wanted, he wanted to feel the love and respect finally that he feels like he'd earned in New England. Like I said, they started taking him for granted. And even I think Bill Belichick took him for granted and started thinking that, a large part of the success of the Patriots dynasty was because of Bill Belichick. And I think Brady was starting to get a little bit ticked off about that, to be totally honest. And there was a little part of him, even though he's not a big ego guy for him to be able to go down to Tampa Bay and have the entire city, the entire of Florida just completely stop and hold their breath and say, Oh my God, here's Tom Brady. We got Tom Brady. And for him to be able to win a Super Bowl away from Bill Belichick will be the ultimate feather in his cap, even more than having the all time passion. Passing record And being able to retire in front of Drew Brees, for him to be able to win a Super Bowl away from Bill Belichick, especially if the Patriots go in the tank from this point on, will give him a smug smile until the day that he dies knowing that, hey, the ultimate conversation in football, the biggest argument in football history right now is... The Patriots dynasty, who was more responsible? Was it Bill Belichick or Tom Brady? And for Tom to be able to go down to South Florida and win a Super Bowl in Tampa, especially if the Patriots go and they lose and they don't make the playoffs here for the rest of Tom Brady's career, he can die with a smug smile on his face knowing that he settled that argument once and for all.
1: I don't think the Buccaneers give him the best chance to win the Super Bowl. You can follow up with that. I just don't. I mean, that's pretty much the extent of it. I I think the Chargers would have given him a better chance to have a better defense. Am I wrong in that?
0: So here's where I think uh, you're a little bit wrong. I think the Chargers do have a little bit of a better defense. I think the Chargers have great weapons. I think... The Bucks have better weapons, especially because they are going to go find either in the draft or somewhere in free agency or with a trade, a running back that can catch the football, a la James White, which is his security blanket that he had in New England for all those years. And once they have that and they go pick up a right tackle, which is another position of need for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they've got a really, really good roster. But I think Tom Brady trusted Bruce Arians as a head coach more than Anthony Lynn. And I worked for Anthony Lynn in in Cleveland. I think he's a fantastic coach. But having the offensive mind of your head coach, who is a guy like a Bruce Arians, who's worked with so many great quarterbacks like Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger, who has those pelts on the wall, he's got that incredible knowledge of offenses and quarterback play I think Tom Brady trusted him as a head coach and as an offensive mind more than going with Anthony Lynn who came up as a running backs coach and is more of like the CEO type disciplinarian uh, coach which I love but I just think that was a deciding factor for Brady
1: all right well I'm not going to argue it but I still think he is trying to get the all-time passing record I think that's his only focus right now is racking up stats He's trying to get as many points at the end of the basketball game as possible so that in the headline, all you see is so-and-so scored 50 points. All right. Well, other honorable mention takes that we got to cover. Todd Gurley, as we've been recording this podcast, it was announced that he is being released by the Los Angeles Rams. Joe, give me a take here. What are your thoughts?
0: So actually also as we were recording this podcast, Bill O'Brien said that he tried to trade Deshaun Watson for Todd Gurley straight up, but something <laughs> fell through at the last moment, so the Rams were forced to release him. Uh, thoughts and prayers go out to Bill O'Brien and the Houston Texans for not being able to execute that trade. <laughs> Better luck next time.
1: Yes, they would. that would have definitely put the Texans in the perfect situation. Uh, you know, Todd Gurley is, here's the thing that people I don't think realize. Todd is only 25 years old which is wild to think about because I feel like we've been talking about him for a long time and he's had some big seasons. When his offensive line is great, he plays great. When his offensive line is bad, it's tough for him to get going, and that's true of literally every running back in the NFL. I think Todd Gurley still has a lot of great years ahead of him, and I'm hoping that he goes to uh, a situation that could, can really take advantage of like, you know, his ability as a running back. He's an old-school runner. He is a big, big dude. Um, and once he gets going, he can really change an offense. Uh, it's unfortunate that things transpired the way they did in the Rams. And I think the Rams don't realize what they're losing and getting rid of Todd Gurley because they were only ever good when Todd was getting going. When he had the ball in his hands, that's when Jared Goff and that offense played best. I don't think that they realize that, but they'll, they'll face reality very soon.
0: Here's one of the ways where a 17th game actually has already hurt a player because I believe that Todd Gurley— has incredible ability still But the only thing that's holding him back is he's got that really bad knee. He's got a knee that can survive about eight full NFL games. And so what you saw the Rams trying to do last year was spread those eight games worth of load out over an entire season. And they just weren't able to do that. And they found that the production was not good enough from week to week by spreading it out and kind of managing his load the way they did last season. So I think he can still play at a high level. He just can't play at a high level for as many games as you need to during the NFL season. adding another game like that only makes a guy like Todd Gurley less valuable because now he's got eight games worth of a season in his body, but it has to be stretched over 17 regular season games. And I think they're starting to see that it's just not possible at the running back position to be able to stretch it out like that. Do you
1: see any potential landing spots for him?
0: Yeah, I think Todd Gurley could go to a place where his, first of all, his contract is a lot more reasonable so that you can pair him with another good running back so that you do have an opportunity to manage that load a little bit more naturally where you have two really good running backs that are maybe handling the load. And so you get the best version of Todd Gurley for those eight games. Maybe he's getting 10 carries a game throughout the whole season, rather than trying to give him 20 carries, which it seems like that knee just can't hold up for a full season doing 20 carries
1: every. Here's day. what's funny to me about the Bill O'Brien thing. You traded DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson and Todd Gurley got released three days later. Yeah, that's why it's insane that I
0: uh. traded for David Johnson because if you look at David Johnson, he doesn't have the bad knee. He had the wrist injury, but he was in a very similar situation. You give him the big contract. Now he's not as productive because of well, either you're managing your own beatings and so you're not playing as aggressively or you're just banged up and you just can't do it as a running back on a long-term basis. There's not that many Adrian Petersons or Emmett Smiths in the NFL. They're just that unique. And the fact that you traded for David Johnson, your best player, and maybe one of the best receivers in the NFL when I got like Todd Gurley can't even find a landing spot, just a couple of days later, it really highlights the fact how bad that trade is. So here's,
1: here's what I'm... Predicting for Gurley. He's not going to Houston. Because um, I've seen some people when <laughs> they're talking about, good like, money. I guess Vegas has them as a certain amount of odds to go to Houston. I don't think that's happening. Him and DeAndre Hopkins are literally best friends. They are best friends. So if Hopkins has a problem yes, with a O'Brien, spot. more than likely Todd Gurley, if he has other options, he will explore them. Tampa obviously makes a lot of sense for the reasons that we've we spoke about. And they have Tom Brady. I could see that happening for Todd. Um, Dark Horse, the Cardinals because they have Kenyon Drake and they have a one-two punch and because they are a pass happy offense and it will take some of that wear and tear off of a guy like him um, and kind of space out your version of what you say is eight to 10 games over the course of 16. And also he's best friends with DeAndre Hopkins. So Cardinals are my dark, dark horse. Um, I can see the Buccaneers happening as well. All right. Other things that happen: Calais Campbell to the Ravens. Oh man, I feel like that's a good one. I feel like
0: that's a great move by the Ravens. I mean, Calais Campbell still got plenty left in the tank. He's still playing at an extremely high level. The Ravens have always been at their best when they have a dominant defensive line. Calais Campbell is going to only elevate that defensive line play. Great. And as a
1: leader, I feel like that's like for that locker room Mm -hmm. and situations like we've seen them in the playoffs against the Titans. I feel like that doesn't happen with a leader like Calais Campbell Making them understand the gravity of the situation and making sure that he's getting the best out of those young guys. So I think that automatically turns the Ravens into a Super Bowl contender. All right, before we wrap, we're going to grade the take, explain yourself, rapid fire, Joe Stradamus edition. We combined like 70 bits around Joe into this one.
0: Grade the take. Grade the take.
1: Um, last week <laughs> you tweeted your predictions. On 317, you did eight NFL free agency predictions, and I'm going to read each one of them, Joe, in one to two sentences max. I want you to explain yourself, grade your take, and update the take if you've changed your mind. And you can't change your mind of things that have already been done because that would be stupid. All right, number one. You ready? Mm. Tom Brady and Trent Williams to the Chargers. Ugh.
0: So I think that was a really good take. Uh, Tom Brady decided to go with Tampa, like I mentioned, I think because having Bruce Arians as the head coach and the Brainiac behind that offense was a little bit of a deciding factor there. Uh, And Trent Williams was potentially going to go with Tom Brady, but they actually signed Brian Bulaga because they wanted to shore up both those tackle positions after signing Trey Turner to be able to give Tom Brady everything he needed from an offensive line standpoint to feel protected but when tom didn't do that then all the all the dominoes kind of felt elsewhere so uh, i feel like it was a b minus take even though both of those things were wrong
1: yeah no i mean that it's, that's a, that's prime media 101 explaining why you were still right when you were cer- clearly so wrong all right number two philip rivers to the colts joe grade the take man
0: that was an A take. I don't think we were going out on a huge limb there. That was kind of what everyone assumed. They put two and two together. The Colts, they've got a championship roster, just needed a great veteran quarterback, especially with Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni. The familiarity with Philip Rivers being that they coached him in San Diego with the Chargers. That was a great take.
1: All right. Well, I can't argue that. You were right. So you're right. That was an A plus. Number three, Teddy Bridgewater to the Panthers.
0: It just made sense there. Matt Rule and Teddy Bridgewater have a history. Uh, Matt Rule wanting to start all over and start fresh and not have Cam Newton, who a lot of people have reported is a little bit of a headache. And when you're a new coach, a lot of times you come in there and you want to bring in your own people, especially if you've got a quarterback who's been injured, had a little bit of an up and down last couple seasons, uh, who potentially could be a little bit of a headache. Uh, it's easy to let him go and, and bring in a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, who you feel like could be the quarterback of the long term, Or he could be a great bridge if you do draft a young quarterback in the next couple years. He could help develop him. He could help kind of lead the roster in the
1: interim. Yeah, he'd be a great bridge over water. I get it. A plus take. All right, number four, Jameis Winston to the Raiders. Grade this shitty take, Joe.
0: Oh, so this is the (laughs) one that still might happen, and when it happens, Joe Stradamus might just be retiring because he is so smart. So the reason I put this one out there, right? Okay, so first of all, I'm not an insider. I'm not a guy that's calling GMs and scouts all day long. All I'm doing is reading the tea leaves, right? I'm an analyst. So putting me on TV and free agency frenzy is kind of silly because I got no inside information. I'm just a former player that I watched the film. I watched the games. I, I talked to some players and I'm giving you A player's perspective. I'm not giving you an insider's perspective, right? But what I do know is John Gruden is a guy that always loves everybody else's quarterbacks. He has a very high impression of himself as a quarterback developer, and he sees a guy like Jameis Winston with an incredible high ceiling, and he sees a guy like Derek Carr, who's his own quarterback, who he doesn't really love. So what he's thinking is, hey, maybe I can trade Derek Carr. I can get a lot in return and I can bring in a guy like Jameis Winston and where everybody else hasn't been able to eliminate those negative plays. I believe in myself and my ability to mold and develop a young quarterback. I can get Jameis to eliminate some of those negative plays. And then what you'll see is the great version of Jameis Winston. So you can say that you heard it here first when Jameis Winston goes to the Raiders and Derek Carr is traded somewhere right, else. I
1: would caution him to plus. talk to Bruce Arians about riding that ride. All right. Um, you still give yourself an A+. Plus? Hey, one thing I know about NFL coaches is they always believe
0: they're the smartest guys in the room because a lot of times they are. But <laughs> Bruce Arians, he went to Tampa Bay because he thought he was going to be able to uh, save Jameis Winston. He didn't do it. But you know what? That doesn't mean that the other coaches in the NFL don't still think that they can save Jameis Winston.
1: Yeah, and you know what else another byproduct of uh, Tom going to Tampa is? Brian Leftwich is probably going to be a head coach the following year. All right, uh, next take. Jadavian Clowney to the Cowboys, Joe. Grade the take. Here's another great take.
0: Another A take for me, Jadavian Clowney. He is going to the Cowboys, right? They lost Robert Quinn, great pass rusher, but Jadavian Clowney actually is more of an impact player for a defense because he makes many more plays in the run game. He's not just like a pass rusher. Yeah, he doesn't get as many sacks as Robert Quinn, but a guy that impacts a defense and forces an offense to game plan for him week in and week out is much more important, and that's a Jadavian Clowney. Also, Byron Jones, the great cornerback for the Dallas Cowboys, he left. He went to the Miami Dolphins. And so there's two ways you can replace somebody in the secondary in the NFL. You can either replace them with more secondary help, or you can replace them with pass rush. Because the two ways you defend the pass in the NFL is by sacking the quarterback or covering longer. And so for them to be able to have Jadavian Clowney, that would take care of two big losses during free agency. One being Robert Quinn, the other being Byron Jones. Additionally, Jadavian Clowney has had some medical issues and he had a really high asking price early on in free agency. Well, A lot of that money has started to dry up. And so what happens in free agency is when that money starts to dry up, the price comes down, which is going to allow the Dallas Cowboys to sign to Jadavian Clowney for a little bit of a discount, maybe even on a one-year prove-it deal, which would be easy for them to fit under the cap. And they believe that they have a championship roster right now and he could be that missing key point piece Whatever you want to call it for that championship, because they have a great quarterback, they have a great running back, a great offensive line, they've got a great receiver, Amari Cooper, they've got a great head coach with Mike McCarthy, and they will have a great defense when they sign Jadavion Kalani. I love the Cowboys next season. Mm,
1: man, okay, so that's what five A's for you. All right, number six, Cam Newton. That's pretty good to the Bears. I would love to see. I can't wait to hear your spin here.
0: I'm giving I'm giving myself a C minus on this one. Obviously it didn't happen. They ended up going with Nick Foles, which I should have seen the tea leaves on this one because Matt Nagy yeah. has that history with Nick Foles. Cam Newton being injured has really made him sort of a hot potato right now during free agency because I I should have been able to know. And C, that during the coronavirus lockdown, without medical visits, nobody was going to want to sign Cam Newton. So that was a C-minus take, even though I still think Matt Nagy would have been excited about the possibility, had Cam Newton been healthy, of being able to work with a dual-threat guy and develop a great creative offense with a quarterback like Cam Newton, who could throw and run the football.
1: All right, first C of your report card. All right, number seven, Andy Dalton to the Patriots.
0: This is still a good take. I I still think this is a distinct possibility. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots go for a Cam Newton because Bill Belichick has been craving a dual-threat quarterback since he saw what Lamar Jackson did to his number one defense last season. And he sees that the new wave in the NFL is quarterbacks can run and can throw the football because a dual-threat quarterback – opens up your offense and puts so much pressure on a defense when you have that guy that can run and pass. Uh, If they decide not to go with the veteran quarterback route, they've got a bunch of late round picks and they've got two third round picks. So don't be surprised if Jalen Hurts is sitting around at the late part of the second round and the Patriots package those third round picks and maybe one of those later picks to move up and get Jalen Hurts, who would be a guy that Bill Belichick would love to coach. Great success, great athlete, familiarity with Nick Saban's players because of their relationship going back to their NFL days. I guarantee that Bill Belichick would love to develop an offense for a Jalen Hurts.
1: Okay. Um, Bill Belichick is so smart. Like why trade for a quarterback when The Bengals are probably going to release Andy Dalton at some point. They're going to release Cam Newton at some point. And Jacoby Brissett probably actually makes the most sense for the Patriots, but I can see your take there as well. But I like Andy Dalton too. All right, Chris Harris Jr. from the Broncos is going to the Raiders, Joe. He did not. Grade the take.
0: Chris Harris Jr. to the Raiders. I thought this was a really good guess because that's what it is right when when you're an NFL player who's in the analyst role we're not insiders we're just guessing the Raiders have the worst freaking pass defense in the NFL. They feel like they had a pretty good offense, but they couldn't stop anybody in the pass game. So to be able to have a great corner like Chris Harris, who's been to a bunch of Pro Bowls, would have made that defense so much better. And with them moving to Las Vegas, they need to create buzz and hype, and they need to start the season strong to continue getting people into those uh-huh. seats. So Chris Harris, to me, made a lot of sense, but it didn't happen. So I give myself a B minus.
1: I give it a C. Um, I'm gonna go through and grade all your takes. Tom Brady to the Chargers was a B. Philip Rivers to the Colts is a B. Still don't think it's a good one. Teddy to the Bridgewater to the Teddy to the Bridgewater to the Panthers. A. Jameis to the Raiders. C Jadavian Klein to the Cowboys. B Cam Newton to the Bears. I'm gonna give you a B there. Andy Dawn to the Patriots. A Chris Harris to the Raiders. A. All right. So I didn't base that off of any real criteria. I just feel like I needed to say something. I think that does it for this nice edition of the Tomahawk Show. Uh, we appreciate all you guys listening. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we go, I'm sorry. This is a more breaking news here on the Tomahawk Show, literally as we're recording. It's on a more somber note. Um, but head coach Sean Payton has tested po- positive for the coronavirus. Initial reactions there, Joe? Initial reaction
0: is I think this really hammers home to NFL fans the serious nature of what this country and this world is dealing with right now with this coronavirus pandemic i think sometimes it takes somebody that you know or public figures that you see testing positive for something like this to really hammer at home mm-hmm. how real this situation is and that this is living in everybody's community right now so you hate to end the show on a sobering note but Thoughts and prayers are obviously going out with Sean Payton and his family and the Saints organization and that community because you really hope that they have the medical resources to help Sean and make sure that he gets through this. But uh, I mean, this is just frightening times in the United States and in the world right now.
1: Yeah, man, that's tough. And and I think you hit all those points perfectly. Um, so I won't even piggyback off of that. Um, all right. Well, I think that does it for this episode. Of the Tomahawk show. We appreciate you joining. We appreciate you listening. Make sure you follow us on social media. Like, subscribe, share the podcast, rate of five stars, all that good stuff. You guys stay safe out there. Um, Hug your loved ones. Um, Be present. Try to turn this into a positive. um, Thoughts with with everybody in a tough situation um, that the entire world is dealing with. I will end on a positive. Todd Gurley tweeted after the news of his release went out. Damn, I got fired on my day off. Joe, any final thoughts?
0: I don't think we've got anything more to say here. A lot of stuff going on in the NFL and in the world. All I can say is heed the advice of medical professionals. Be like Hawk. Be a jerk. But in today's day and age, it's called social
1: distancing, and you can feel happy that you're doing your part. Yes. All right. Well, that does it. Take us out, Joe. Joe Hawk yourself.